How's it going everybody? I hope you're having a great day wherever you're listening. Today I'm pleased to bring you the latest episode of the I'm Curious to Know Project, a series of daily conversations with world-class athletes, innovators, and unique personalities from the endurance sports world. Today's guest has a storied history on Inner Voice. She was the first full-length athlete feature on our site, and she's been a guest on the podcast before. I'm stoked to have the one and only Steph Corker back on the show. I consider Steph a true friend. I was fortunate to meet her when I first arrived in Vancouver to take up my post at Lululemon. We were both chasing the Ironman dream at the time and spent many hours together training over a number of years. She's done some incredible things in the triathlon world and it's been an honor to have a front seat view of her progress in the sport. I was determined to cover things we hadn't discussed in the past. So today we went totally left of center and I'm glad we did. Steph provided some incredible wisdom and truth bombs that really hit home for me and I hope they'll do the same for you. Steph also opens up about her personal and professional struggles over the last couple of months. But I know this about Steph, she'll keep showing up and the best is yet to come for her. I appreciate you being here and I hope you enjoy the show. You were probably one of the first people I reached out to to say, you have to come on the show because you are a favorite of mine. You are a favorite of Inner Voice. Uh, and I love to have these conversations with you. Well, thanks, Trav. That really means a lot. And we can tell people that I tried to skirt this invite because I was really living in, I'm totally not good enough. And um, when you asked me a second time, then I was like, okay, don't make people ask three times. As you said that, I also want to acknowledge that you started Inner Voice online sharing people's stories. And I had the sweet opportunity of being one of the first people that you covered. I was the very first. And I won my first amateur Ironman race and you heard it. And I think I might have even told you. And I was like, don't put this in because it might not happen. I remembered that. And when you asked again, I was like, you know, Trav, you've really been there through some pivotal moments why not now yeah, I would say the same for you that um you know our time in Vancouver where we crossed paths was amazing we had such I have such great memories of that time when we were pursuing Ironman dreams and getting to Kona and racing in Kona and racing in Whistler and gosh we could super riff like just for context and for everyone anyone who's listening I so see you like a brother like we had like sibling shit face like cat face what's it called when cats fight cat fights um but (laughs) but in the same breath it would be like running downstairs from you know we worked at lululemon together and i was on the third floor and you were on the second and we would like run up and down to try to figure out who was going to get the next entry to the next race so that we could go race somewhere and you know and then and you had your terrible accident and then i decided to tell the world that you were roadkill and you were like in your neck brace trying to tell me that that's not appropriate <laughs> i was like these are only things that we can we can talk about and i was like trav like the editor at triathlete magazine wants to interview you and i told so- them that you'd been eaten up on the road and you're like no that's not okay there's so much water under the bridge since that time water it was the best of times it was and a good way now today i really want to talk about some things that we haven't talked about the first one that i do want to cover is motivation you're a big Mm. chaser of start lines you're someone Mm. who always has the next goal the next race firmly in the field of view 
given what we're all going through um, and there's no races and there's nothing happening, there's other things going on in your life. Tell me about motivation. So first of all, I committed to being 100% honest on this and was like, Trav can ask me almost anything and I will be 100% transparent. And I say that because um, one version of Steph that loves to chase start lines would love to tell you how I'm like out chasing Strava QOMs or like doing all of these, you know, wonderful challenges. And the truth is that hasn't been my experience. I've really been sitting in this place of like, what do I need right now today to either function or be hopefully the best version of me almost in a day-to-day approach? I don't have a training plan. I'm not racing Obviously, none of us are racing. Um, And to be honest, I haven't really had the motivation to go and create these like epic challenges or really big things. Um, It's felt like COVID hit and my world became a bit of a snow globe. I feel guilty that I'm not a parent that has, you know, those stresses because I look and I'm like, I have it so easy. I'm not homeschooling kids or taking care of kids that can't be in daycare. Um, And then on the other side, I really envy the athletes that are you know, taking this time to be phenomenal. And I don't feel like I'm one of them. What I've come to recognize is that I've leveraged motivation in an external factor, be it a start line. And if I'm really honest, one of the realizations I've had is that I've used a start line as a scapegoat and in many respects as distraction from other things in my life that I needed to deal with. And now all of a sudden, you know, I don't say I have to go on a bike ride because it's part of this training plan. It's like, you don't have to do anything, but I really want to. And I would choose to spend my Saturday morning no other way. And then with that comes other conversations of, you know, how you spend your life. I don't think I'm one to talk about motivation. I'm really in a place of like, what is the most honest and truest way that you want to spend your life? And how do you do that one day at a time versus this 12 week plan that a coach has given you and therefore you have to do it for so many people. And I've been guilty of this. Your identity is wrapped around yourself as an athlete and the value you bring to results as an athlete and the next start line you're chasing and the goals you have. And there's so much good that is driven from goals, but when it becomes so much attached to your identity, I think that's when it becomes problematic. Undeniably, I'll identify as an athlete probably for a long time. And there's a lot of things that I'd really love to do still. And yet COVID has definitely, you know, like the reality is that calling yourself an Ironman athlete is tied to a corporation and their bottom line and their desire has nothing to do with your dreams as an athlete. I think it's important that we make the distinction of like, I can be a triathlete whether I do an Ironman race ever again or not. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but setting correctly, like they aren't out to support your dreams. They're out to make money and do so in whatever way is possible. Without trashing Iron Man, I will tell you that I'm not super impressed by the way they've gone about handling COVID. And I think a lot, you know, COVID highlights who we are. And when times are tough, how do people respond? Yeah, I think it's fair. I don't, you know, I'm not in the business of bashing Iron Man either. There's been some missteps for quite a few years now. And I think that to kind of add color to your comment, I think they are a facilitator of dreams. I think they're the ability for people to change their lives is probably unrivaled. There is more to it where they're not in it for you as an individual. So it's like, I've, I probably haven't missed a day of training since COVID happened. And 
you know, have pace times been different or have things been different totally. And so it took me looking back on my training log to be like, oh, I'm still, I'm not, not committed. I'm not, I'm still inspired. It's still how I choose to spend my days. It's just not attached to an external goal. And so one thing that's rung really true for me is if you don't have a start line, what would you do? And what I've come to realize is without a start line, there's not much that I wouldn't want to be doing. I think that feels really cool. And it's like, so do more of that. And now, and granted, like one thing it might say is that I might not want to swim a lot right now. (laughs) And the ability to not be able to swim has kind of been okay. Your ability as an athlete has a lot to do with your mindset. Like if you tell Mm -hmm. yourself you're an athlete and you're working towards something or not, or you're just, you know, you're getting out and doing what you feel like when you feel like. And this is probably my experiences as a dad. Like we've got two kids now and and athletics and like races have really taken a backseat from me because Mm. of business and life and putting on it, wanting to put time into my family. But those, there's been these glimmers of hope where I do consider myself an athlete. And even if I haven't trained that day, the the way that I approach the day is better. I, you know, I want to eat better. I want to sleep better. I want to put down the bottle of wine or like, those things like it's just this mindset that I so I think that's what you're describing call yourself whatever you want be healthy I think that's what COVID has taught me like take vitamin D or get out into sunshine beyond our health like what do we have it's a reminder that like health is the most important thing and I think this has been a whilst we're all aware of COVID and we're all living it it also feels a little bit separate but I think it's a good chance to reset now obviously your business is reliant on business doing well so you're in the business of recruiting and training Tell me about how COVID has impacted. Well, hugely. I mean, like it impacted the business in the first 72 hours when things got shut down because all of a sudden people were either laid off or not hiring really, really quickly. Um, Most of our work is in the intersection of retail and tech. And so while there might be a bit of an explosion in the tech space because people can work from home, obviously retail was impacted really differently. And we did have business that sort of kept rolling for a period of time in COVID. So it wasn't that we were in denial, but it was like, oh, there's business, like, let's keep going, let's keep going. And then things started to, you know, undeniably quiet down, then it no longer became like, what week are we in, in COVID, but what is the recovery or rebound period? And that instead of being weeks, started to become months. And now it's, you know, one to two years. And is this a recession? And is this a depression and and what's next? So I'm on the West coast of Canada. I'm BC that things are opening up a little bit, but it doesn't really feel like that in the U S and it also feels like things might be opening up, but they are opening up in a way that this is a new normal. And what does that mean? And therefore we're in the impact of these slow progressions. I will tell you in the last week or two, what I've become, well, I've become very, present to two huge facts. One is that maybe three. One is that employment has not been the unemployment rates have not been at this state since the Great Depression and we have surpassed those. 30 million Americans in the first month lost their job and 70% of those who have lost their jobs have been women. And I am really passionate about the power of women doing what they want in the world. Absolutely. I would love for women to be a part of the working world if they want to be, but that's a really big challenge. So you can't place 30 million people into new jobs overnight. That's a really big deal. You know, women, if they have had the children and they're choosing to stay home, you can't knock that. That's a beautiful maternal instinct, or in some cases it might be a necessity. I have been very inspired by the founder of Cotopaxi, Davis Smith. 
he is really committed to humanity in a way that many organizations are starting to come around to say, we need to support the environment. He has come around to say, we need to support humans. And I was also inspired by Obama's uh, valedictorian address that just speaks to if this is a time that is causing us all to just think about humans differently, that's a pretty beautiful thing. So I no longer care about how we once did business, but I'm really inspired about how we're going to do business and what it's going to look like going forward. And it feels like we're on a bit of a brink of what that next shift might be. Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I think the the human spirit will show itself. What are some of those like predictions that you can make of what this new normal will be? Well, I think that, and I'm mindful, what I'm going to share definitely comes from a place of privilege and and not. And so I think there's tech companies and there are a lot of companies that are cash positive that will, dare I say, you know, benefit from this. And so, you know, you have the tech companies in California not going back to offices and everyone can work from home. And and that's a privilege and we need to acknowledge that. And it's a pretty big deal if, you know, if, if offices are going to shut down, corporate real estate and corporate leasing is that's that's going to be done. And so I think people working from home is going to dramatically shift what is Monday to Friday, nine to five. The nine to five is going to be dead. I think, you know, like the, the Mohawk, it's going to be like <laughs> shirt on the top, pajamas on the bottom for a long time. <laughs> um, a lot of Zoom calls. So like I said, I'm in Vancouver and Ted in Vancouver, Ted, the conference is hosted in Vancouver and they've just canceled April, 2021. So I think that says like the idea of long-term, we're in this for 12 months at least, that large events and gatherings won't happen any longer. Um, But I don't necessarily see them all coming online. I think there's still going to be a lot of bread being made. And I think people might start working less and slowing down and spending a lot less money because that feels real. So I think if that's what we're doing at home, it will impact how companies are spending money as well. I'm excited for what it will mean, you know, and and same thing, preface that with privilege versus not. I think that we're very lucky that Lauren works for a company that's supported her through maternity leave. And then now they're supporting parents by keeping the office closed for an extended period of time, because here in Massachusetts, all non-emergency daycare is closed until the end of June. I'm interested to hear your thoughts around that, uh, you know, the offices not opening again and being more adaptable and open to remote work. And I'm really interested to hear about the TED piece because I think not all experiences translate to an online experience. Yeah, I want to acknowledge that I don't feel like an innovator. I am, or maybe I don't feel like the early adopter. I'm not the the first to anything. And in many respects, I actually don't also like my favorite version of training has nothing to do with technology. So it's like, yeah, I like Zoom. And like you sent me a link an email before with like five links. And I'm like, how are you doing so much in this call today, Trav? (laughs) I thought we were just going on Facebook. There's probably really cool technical things happening that I'm just not aware of. Part one. And part two is during COVID, I have found that we, I don't know if it's fight or flight. I don't know if it's innovation or fear. We've tried to replace one for one. We've like, there's no, for example, there's no Ironman. We're going to do a virtual race. There is no conference. We're going to host it online. I can't wait for that scarcity mindset to die. And for us to think like, how do we, what really matters and how do we want to gather? And I think that question has been missed right now. 
And I give full shout outs to my brother, Matt Corker. We host a big event in June in Vancouver with about 500 people. It's at Science World. It's called Disrupt HR. We love it. And I immediately went to, we must do this online. And then he was like, but why? And like, are we really accomplishing what we want to accomplish online? And will people get the experience that they want? If we're creating content, so hear me that I think there's powerful content. And when it's purposeful, I hope people will listen and engage and be present. But there's also a pollution aspect. And I'm like, when are we recognizing like digital pollution that just becomes like background noise because we can't be alone with ourselves? And when is that too much? I guess when I think about the next frontier, it's not that I have ideas as to what that is as much as I hope we're not creating digital pollution and I hope we're being more thoughtful that it doesn't have to be a one-for-one model because something used to be one way, it might not ever exist again and that's okay. A lot of people are waiting to be told what to do or they're waiting to see what other people are going to do. And because you guys jumped on Zoom, that means that every meeting is going to be on Zoom. And then because this race was uh, on, we're going to immediately, we have to do a virtual race. So I totally get your point. True innovation happens in a moment in your head, but then it Mm -hmm. takes a while while to roll out. So I'm wondering like, you know, when are we going to start to see these things come to fruition. But the other thought that I have is around um, culture and kind of asking yourself Mm. why. So why do businesses exist? Like maybe this is a chance for them to stop and say, okay, what are we wanting to provide? I'm going to say this and it's not just through my own lens, though I do feel like it's impacted me personally as well. I think to what you just said about culture and why does the business exist is actually going a layer deeper to say, why do I exist? And am I willing to trade a day of my life to commute two hours each way to sit in meetings all day and then answer emails? I felt like at one point in time, I was just like a professional email answerer or in Vancouver, I was like a professional coffee drinker because people just can, Hey, can we meet for coffee to, I'm like, you have one question and it'll take 10 minutes, like get on the phone and I'll answer anything. I'm so happy to help, but we don't have to meet for coffee over this. And so now you're not commuting anymore. And could your business run differently? I think once the world has stopped, then you start to think, what have I been distracted being busy by? And what does the business really need to run? The business doesn't need a $20,000 a month office that you're paying. You could hire someone else or change things. And the impact on business is obviously huge and real. And the impact on our lives is bigger. What are you willing to trade a day in your life for? Will we see the freelance economy explode? You know, because it's a global pandemic and because borders are closed and because you can't just jump on a flight and all of these things, like the impact is greater than just what can I do tomorrow? And I don't think we can hide behind a business or a brand or some personal goal that says, I want to go run a marathon. The marathon's canceled. You can't get on a plane. How do you want to spend your day? I think that opens up people for the opportunity to say, why am I always searching for more? translating that to business why is exponential growth the only thing that we measure I mean don't hear me say that I'm not obsessed with goals I'm going to share this this is another total Matt Corker I don't get credit for it Um, but Matt said that goals are what you put into your Google map of where you want to go but what Google map offers are four different modes of transportation and you can take the car or the bus or the bike to get to where you want to go or sometimes you know, a a plane or a train, how you get to where you want to go is obviously up for Google. It's up for debate. It's you have a choice. 
we might know where we want to go. But one thing I learned in business, we had our best quarter ever. I was so proud. I was so thrilled. And I sat down with Matt to look at our numbers and we had, we had, had not hit our goals at all. Um, but it was the best quarter we'd ever had. I was so proud. I was stoked. I looked back and thought I had done all these things. I ticked these boxes and I was like, right. So we had a goal and I knew where I wanted to go and I missed it. And therefore I can't celebrate because the quarters failed. That really hit me. And from that moment on, I was like, am I doing the best I can every day toward this goal? And if I don't hit it, will I still be okay with myself? And that's really been a driving principle for me. I mean, obviously in the world of business as an entrepreneur, like no one's going to give you praise. No one's giving you a bonus that's out of nowhere. No, like there is none of that. And so if you're doing the best you can in exchange for a day in your life, when will that be enough? And, you know, I remember talking to people, I'm raising this much money and I'm doing this. I'm like, that's super cool if you're fulfilled. And I just want to know, like, if you have no one to tell and there isn't a headline, like, are you still fulfilled? You know, I set the goal. I failed at the goal. I was still so stoked, but yet I'd failed my own self. So I was going to let it all go away. I'm like, no, I've missed the point there. How did you reconcile that? Like, and that's, this is one specific thing, but I think there's a broader um, topic or thought that we can consider here that so many people set a goal that may be unrealistic or it's a stretch or they may not get there, but the process of getting there is really mm -hmm. the one in the celebration. What can we learn from the process from your Google map analogy? Well, and I think this is what comes up for me in the Google analogy is I'm like, oh, okay. So I thought I was going to get there in the time that the car took, but I'm on the bike path and I'm not there yet, but I'm still moving forward. And so a big piece for me was like, I'm just on a different route and I'm on my way. And don't hear me say like, I can accept failure. I can accept like, you didn't do it. Like if it's black and white, you didn't do it. I'm like, I get that. But I guess the bigger kicker is like, where does paralysis show up? That was something I've really wrestled with. It's certainly been a gorilla for me of like, when there is paralysis, I procrastinate. Or when I procrastinate, I'm in a state of paralysis. It doesn't mean there's not a detour. It doesn't mean there's not a U-turn. It doesn't mean that it's not crunchy. But it's just like, what is forward progress? And how do you acknowledge that? along the way. We've covered a lot of ground here so far. I want to talk a little bit more about some adventures. We have the privilege of both having some amazing wheels to ride <laughs> around on. Tell me about your adventures. Tell me about how you're filling your cup with adventure life. Oh, Trav, this was like, take us back to the days of, Trav, how do you get a sponsor? And what shoes do you actually want to run in? <laughs> I really like riding bikes. I, okay, I said I'd be honest. I'm going to be really honest. I... I'm not technically advanced at all. And I have the new Cervelo, the P3X, and it's like a rocket ship. I am like, if I take this on the road, I don't even know how to take my wheel out to change a flat. And so some of it feels like over my head right now. And I'm like, when did I become so dumb that I can't, you know, fix my own flat tire? And that aspect of like the technology, the advancements in bikes... <laughs> is yeah. is crazy to me so I haven't been riding it that's the truth um I will also tell you that some of my greatest adventures have been with the very own Jojo who's on here um sitting on zoom on our trainers and it's brought me so much joy just to know 
you know, she's on a program and whether I am or I'm not, we'll sit on our trainers and ride together. And it's not Zwift. It's like literally Zoom calls. And um, especially if it's been rainy, we've both been in the mountains here in Whistler, or it's like early mornings before work needs to start. This sounds silly, but like some garage sessions have actually been really wonderful. I would love to learn how to ride gravel and I am trying really hard. Uh, I'm really good at wiping out. I'm really good at like falling off my bike and I don't have excellent bike handling skills, but I'm trying. And um, I spent a lot of time during early COVID um, basically like riding trails until I hit snow and then turning around. I recognized that, you know, I was based in the mountains, so it was easier for me to ride here. There was a lot of social media shaming that went on. So then I stopped sharing some of the rides I was doing. And like, let's talk about that. Like what's okay and what's not okay. And, you know, I'm mindful that at the end of the day, I really appreciate social and how it's kept us connected. I was just saying to your wife before we got on here, like, I love following Lauren and knowing that Lauren's out for a run before I wake up in the morning. Yeah, I just think like, let's be nice to each other on social. Um, my adventures have been rather close to home. Nothing too crazy. Um, though, Gravel would definitely be something that I'd like to do more of. I know I tapped you this year. I was excited to do the Belgian waffle ride and try to do some other gravel races, but um, it's not happening. So, yeah. If I'm going to be brutally honest, I have had a really hard time riding my bike. We moved to a new house um, out here in Boston um, at the end of September last year. I was out on my bike in October. Um, There's like country roads around here. They're narrows. There's no shoulder. Someone was driving the car texting. Um, looked up at the last minute and avoided me and like I could I got that sense that they were right behind me and I kind of did everything I could to move out of the way and they kind of swerved at the last minute and I've been spooked I haven't ridden outside since as much as I've tried to get on Zwift I just can't bring myself to be on the trainer for some reason I I just don't enjoy it yeah it's interesting I think there's sort of two sides to it one side is if you don't like something don't do it full stop and the other side like I kind of feel like this about a treadmill or a trainer ride that I never necessarily look forward to it but give me five minutes and then I'm hooked and I could probably go for a long time and this is super a Meredith Kessler she's like give me 30 minutes like I won't quit I'll start and if after 30 minutes I don't want to do it then I'm out but I've never made it to 30 minutes and wanted to get off having intention though certainly is helpful and that's why I get people like liking Zwift um Mm -hmm. I'm like if there's a workout I can plug the workout in I'll do the workout and it's more fun to ride with Jojo on Zoom I also want to talk about the bike stuff because I it was interesting what you said around technology and the advancements in technology and I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of bike companies are really shooting for high-end product and advancement Mm -hmm. and innovation and there's companies built around it um, and I've been reading a lot of reports about how people are getting into cycling. They're buying mm. their first bike or they're buying a new bike and they're getting out and they're moving. Um, and we don't have to solve it here today, but I feel like there is going to be a point where technology outweighs people's ability and skill and we may lose them. Like you're not a beginner, you're not a novice. You've been doing this for a long time. And the fact that you um, are kind of shying away from that type of technology because you mm. don't have the skills to maintain it or work it or change a tire I think that's a problem well because I think that Nick Tickner won't watch this um I'm going to talk about him uh that I have spent hours on FaceTime with Nick Tickner crying (laughs) and watching YouTube videos and he's been a patient saint it's like I have a through axle or not and I'm trying to change things out on my trainer and 
I love that there are people like our dear friend, Mikey, who like can go onto YouTube and figure it out. But I'm like, where else do you go? Like, how do you learn these things? I'd love to know. And maybe is it that I've been so in a routine of just knowing one way and now it's different. And it's like, okay, so how do, how do you learn different things? And you know, like my neighborhood bike shop is, is great, but then I take it home and I'm like, huh, what do I do? You know, then I ride my bike in gravel and it gets filthy. And then I don't know how to put what and where. (laughs) And yeah, I guess, I don't know if I've just been like so simple and now I'm like, okay, I must learn. And how does one go about learning? And can we have like bike tutorials on zoom? Um, Would that be helpful? But in the same breath, like, I don't think I'm an excellent cyclist and I have a lot to learn. You know, I was riding on the weekend and I was like, maybe I just need to hire someone to ride with me to like actually just teach me how to ride. But then I'm like, is this how I'm like, how do, how do you learn? And, and you hear of so many stories and this might be like my pride and joy. You hear of so many stories of so many people that are just so great. They just get on a bike and they're awesome. And they know how to do all these things. And one time I was in a group ride and someone was like, you don't pass on this side because the wind is blowing from that side. And I was like, huh? I didn't even know it was windy. I didn't know what side I was supposed to be on. And I was like, who's going to be honest enough to tell you? Like, I can't be the only person in the world that thinks this, but like, there's just so many things I don't know. And I'm so okay to admit that I don't know. And I am also like, so where do I go learn? I don't even know what I don't know. So I don't know what I'm looking to learn. Training and riding for Ironman, it's like sit on your bike and ride 180 kilometers as fast as you can. Don't forget to eat and drink and get off your bike and be able to run. I've done it lots of times over. And now I'm learning like a different dynamic, which is cool. But also like cyclists that are really good think I'm a Dumbo. There's a learning curve to anything, anything new, anything you're trying. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time to, to get better at. But I think the trouble is there's this idealistic view within road cycling, within running somewhat, within triathlon, that if you, that if you're new, um, or there's no respect in being able to teach someone and pull someone aside and say, Hey, this is how this happens, or this is what Mm -hmm. you should look out for. Um, and that people are intimidated. If you see someone who's new and you know better, take them aside and, and carefully share. You know, one thing coming on, I was like, Oh man, if like, I can't help it. If the tables were turned, like, you know, what I'm really curious to know is how, when was the first time you did something for the first time and how did it go? And you know what I'm really curious to know is like, how do you make friends as an adult? Um, And I joke that like, if you don't have a dog or kids, like you're probably not making friends. And yeah, like I'm curious to know how you ride tubeless. We don't have any friends because we (laughs) haven't been outside for (laughs) three months. Sorry, that that question (laughs) is answered. We're almost out of time, but I do have three questions I'm going to ask you um, that I'm very curious to know. And I want your full, honest and transparent answers here. What's one thing that's changed during this isolation period uh, that you want to keep once we go move past this current phase and into our new normal? I can answer that super quickly. I I have said this and I, I mean it with my whole heart. I felt like when I was living in the city, so I was living in the city, I've been going spending more time up at um, my cabin in Whistler and in Whistler I'm, I'm south of Whistler so I'm in like literally in the bush in the woods in the city I felt like I was running from swim practice to the office from a run to get to the gym to get home to try to eat dinner or do so 
I just have none of that. Like the logistics of my life are so simple and I'm not packing to get to five different places, worried about what I'm going to eat and somehow get to bed at a reasonable hour. And some mornings, like I would wake up and already feel anxious about how I was going to get everything done and get to bed at a reasonable hour that day. And I had just woken up. Like I was like, you have the whole day. I don't care if you hustle or not. I just want to know if you're intentional with your time and are you enjoying what you're doing? Um, And I really don't ever want to go back to, you know, lugging three meals and four workout bags around for the day. This kind of uh, dovetails into this one. Second question, what's one thing that you thought was important before isolation that you're happy to leave in the past? I mean, I think I thought start lines were important. And I'm not happy to leave them in the past, but I'm happy to have a new relationship with them. Question number three, what's been the most memorable moment, your most joyous moment during isolation? It's been tough. This, it's been a, this has been a real, this has been real um, in many aspects. And I'm not going to pretend to sugarcoat that. But I will tell you that, you know, this might sound silly, but it's really true. Can I tell you two? The first is making my first batch of sourdough. And I know that everyone's made sourdough and like, I get it. Um, But I spent literally a week too scared to try to make sourdough. Because if you go online, and this is what I mean by pollution, it's like everyone has a story about how to make sourdough. It takes three days. You have to feed the starter five times. You have to pull and fold and pull and fold. And I was like, I don't even feed myself as much as I meant to feed this starter and over three days. And how do you do anything else with your life? And so my starter just sat there and I was like, is it going to die? Like, what do I do? And I finally just went for it. And I was like, this is going to be not about the bread, but it's going to be about what else in life do I think is going to take this long and be this complicated. And what if I can just, just try. And it was actually super delicious. It totally turned out and it gave me like, the iota of faith that things don't have to be as complicated as we make them out to be for sure. Um, And the second thing is once upon a time long ago, he won't watch this either, but I dated this hippie of a yoga instructor and it was gorgeous. And we played drums together and he bought me my first drum and the seven o'clock, do you guys do seven o'clock pot banging? In Boston? Ah. They do it in downtown, but we're out in the bush here. So no one. Okay. Well, I'm in the bush too. And in the bush, like the odd house. And I have this great neighbor. His name's Nellie Nelson. And he comes out at seven o'clock and bangs his pot. And I go out and bang my drum with him. And I like sit on YouTube and I learn how to drum so that I can like drum with Nellie at 7 p.m. And those have been like very simple, joyous experiences for sure. You're awesome. I'm so glad we could end on a positive note. I'm uh, inspired and motivated and moved by you all the time. Know that I'm always thinking of you and I'm really proud of you for everything and anything that you take on. uh, And I know that the best for you is yet to come. I really appreciate you. I'm super, super impressed that you're doing this every damn day. I didn't want you to miss a day. Do you know that's the only reason I said yes? I was like, you need a day. I don't want you to miss it. Let's do it. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So on the way up, on the way to the middle of the month, I was like, how the heck am I going to get through this whole month? Yeah. And now I'm on the downhill slide. I'm like, I'm going to be sad when this is over. Ah, so I don't, see? It's I don't beautiful. know if I can, 
I'm going to have to find a way to continue this in June. It's not going to be every day. I'll tell you that okay. for sure, but it will be Great. something that I continue because I feel so yeah. grateful to have these conversations. You're awesome. Okay. Send my love to your fam. Thanks, Steph. What a pleasure it was to reminisce and for you to provide so much amazing insight. I'm always energized and inspired to be better following each and every one of our conversations. As mentioned, that was day 18 of the I'm Curious to Know project. And I'm excited to introduce many more exceptional guests over the next two weeks. Please stay tuned for some interesting and engaging conversations. If you'd like to join the live stream, you can do so at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on the Inner Voice Facebook page every day in May. Thanks for being here. I'm Travis McKenzie, and this is the Inner Voice Podcast.